As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Broadcasting across the United States, Canada, and around the world, this is the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Your host for the program is Hank Hanegraaff, president of the Christian Research Institute. We're on the air because life and truth matter. For more information, resources, or to donate to CRI, call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. To start today's Bible Answer Man broadcast, here's your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you, Randy. And you can also write us at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271, or talk to one of our resource consultants. They're standing by the number 888-7000 and the letter C-R-I. A lot of people already hanging on. We'll go right to the phone calls. Charlie first in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Hank. I want to ask you a question about Romans 10.9, but I want to first uh, give you the prayer. You gave me the prayer, and I want to know if I prayed it with my heart the right way to be saved. The prayer goes, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have provided a way for me to have a relationship with you. I realize that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you are my perfect Heavenly Father. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior and to be the Lord of my life. I repent and receive your perfection in exchange for my sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I want to know, how do you know you prayed that prayer with all your heart in the right way? And I want to go over Romans 10.9 with you and a couple of other verses. Sure, that's a prayer that I've prayed with many, many people, word for word, exactly as you have just articulated. It's in one of my pamphlets. And yes, I think many people who... You have an opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead to faith in Christ, need also to be led in a prayer because they're not used to breaking the sound barrier, they're not used to praying to the Lord, so it takes guidance on the part of those who are used by the Holy Spirit to lead them through this process. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 3 says something very instructive in this regard. No one can truly say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, this kind of deep belief is inevitably accompanied by a confession, and you can make that confession in your heart. You can also make that confession verbally in prayer by speaking out loud. But how do you know you've done that in, in a way that you're saved? 
Well, look, there's no formula ultimately that is prescribed. It is the intent of the heart to be a participant in the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that is accompanied by behavior. Because the first act of obedience then becomes baptism, joining a community of faith so that you can commune, not only by partaking of the Eucharist or the Mass or the Lord's Supper, uh, various monikers used to describe the same thing, but also commune with the body of Christ. Paul in Romans 12 says that all of us are needed within the local expression or the local community of faith because we, though we are many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You may be, by way of an analogy, an ear and I may be an eye, or I may be a toe and you may be a hand, but all parts of the body are necessary so that the body can function in the intended way, not only in worshiping God and partaking of the sacraments, but also being instructed in how to be a reproducing disciple-maker. If, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, what does that mean to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Well, this is precisely what happens when you become a believer. Uh, you're baptized, which is to say that you're buried to your old life, raised to newness of life through his resurrection power, as Paul points out in Romans chapter 6, and then you take up your cross and you daily follow him. So it's not just an insurance policy where you pray a particular formula and now you have the insurance policy and you're in, but it is to be a participant in the community of faith as you continue working out your faith with fear and trembling. So certainly the confession of your mouth is significant, but it's more than that. It is not only what you say or the expression of your worldview, but it's what you do that identifies you as part of the body of Christ, that marks you as a follower of the Lamb as opposed to a participant in the kingdom of darkness. In John 5.24 it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death, on, death unto life. Okay, so he that heareth my word, what does that part mean, heareth my word? Well, look, the Bible ultimately is spiritually discerned, which is to say that if you are not a believer, you can read the words, but you cannot fully apprehend the meaning. The reason is, is that when you become a believer, you are indwelt by the Spirit, and the Spirit does something wonderful for you. He illumines the words of the text in a way that they would not be illumined if you were not a participant in the kingdom. And it says, and believeth on him. That means the Father, right? Well, it actually, in toto, has to do with believing in the one God revealed in Scripture. So Scripture condescends to reveal the nature of God to us, not in a way that we can fully comprehend, 
but certainly in a way that we can apprehend. So when we're talking about God, remember that we're fiercely monotheistic. We only believe in one God, one what? Talking there about ontology, the nature of God. One what and three who's. One God by virtuous nature or essence and three in terms of identity that is formed and completed on the basis of relationships within the Godhead. And so within the Godhead, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Son. The Son is the one who says that he will send a comforter. And of course, that happens through the Father. The Son prays to the Father. The Father sends the Son. The Holy Spirit enlivens us in our faith. So the persons of the Trinity not only interact with one another, but they also interact with us and we can interact with them. We can thank the Holy Spirit that he empowers us for service, as I did before I came on the air today. We thank the Lord Jesus Christ for saving us and for giving us the principles of the kingdom in profound ways. We can thank the Father as we do when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So the persons of the Trinity can be identified and spoken to individually, although we serve only one God. And again, this is something that we apprehend, we cannot fully comprehend, but it is not illogical. If we were to say that there's one God and three gods, that would be an obvious contradiction. That's why I said we're talking about one God when we talk about the essence of God, and three when we talk about identity formed and completed on the basis of relationships within the Godhead. I, I know there's no magic in the words that you pray, you know, there's no magic, you got to have your heart right, but let's say you pray the prayer that you gave me, right? And you have in the back of your mind that in limited atonement, Jesus died for the elect only, and you have limited atonement in your mind. If you have some doubt whether Jesus died for your sins, but you pray sincerely for him to save you, will he save you? Look, if you want to be a participant in the kingdom... God is not going to throw any obstacles in your way. But you have to recognize that this is not for the faint of heart. When the early Christians became believers, and I was in Greece and saw some of the ossuaries, the bone boxes of the martyrs that died for their faith, they were willing to take up their cross. So when they said in the epicenter of a Caesar cult, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, not Caesar, but Jesus, Oftentimes, they were taken to the hippodromes, and they were torn apart by wild beasts. In other cases, I was at the place where Lydia was baptized. And one of the things that struck me is Lydia becomes a believer, and the Macedonians that follow her as believers as well, they lose their social standing. They lose their resources because they are following Jesus Christ. So this is the intent of the heart. And God who discerns the spirits knows whether the intent of our heart is that of sincerity as a genuine follower or simply something we are mouthing with our lips. So it's never a trite formula. It is always a true faith, a real decision to follow Jesus Christ. Again, in your worldview and what you do, and ultimately being a participant in the kingdom such that you become a co-consummator 
in Christ until that day that he appears a second time and restores us to what we would have been had sin never entered the world. Thanks for pressing this important question. We'll be right back. The famous British apologist G.K. Chesterton once noted, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Because at CRI, we love what is behind us, our faith, our families, and our freedoms, we will never retreat quietly from the growing assaults on life and truth. Even when the costs are great, we will stand. To join like-minded friends in making a difference at home and around the globe, and to equip fellow believers to stand their ground courageously, become a member of CRI's support team. Simply call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. Stay with us. Hank Hanegraaff will return in a few moments. For decades, Hank Hanegraaff has shared the truth of the historic Christian faith by answering questions over the radio, defending the faith through the written word, and preaching from pulpits around the globe. Today, he is ready to share his life in Christ, as detailed in his most profoundly personal piece of penmanship to date, Truth Matters, Life Matters More. Hank feels closer to Christ than ever before and wants you to learn from his experiences as recounted in Truth Matters, Life Matters More so that you can join him on life's greatest journey, the journey toward union with God in Christ. To receive your copy of Truth Matters, Life Matters More, The Unexpected Beauty of an Authentic Christian Life, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. 
In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you, Randy. Right back to our phone callers. Next up is Carl listening in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Hi, Carl. Hi, Hank. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Hi. Thank you very much for taking my call. I listen to you often. And uh, though we might not always agree, I still, um, I still appreciate the, the work you do, and I still um, think that what you do is a great resource to, to all Christians. Thank you. My question is this. I've been speaking to a few persons recently, and um, they're of the uh, belief or adopting the belief of universalism, wherein everybody is going to go to heaven eventually. And um, part of their thought process comes from the fact that they think the word hell was uh, mistranslated and therefore um, it doesn't mean what it means. So I'll just kind of leave that to you for you to make some comments on that. You know, possibly where did this come from and um, what's, what's your take on it? Well, look, if there is no hell, there is no choice. And I've said this before, the righteous would inherit a counterfeit heaven and the unrighteous would be incarcerated in heaven against their will, which is a torment worse than hell. God has created the universe in such a way that we have the ability to act or to act otherwise. And if that were not the case, then again, you would have no choice. And if you had no choice, there wouldn't be a genuine heaven. And if you look at the scriptures, the scriptures are pretty clear. I think about 2 Thessalonians 1.9, the righteous will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. If the destruction is temporary, how can it be everlasting? The plain reading of shut out from the presence of the Lord implies continued existence in an alternate realm not in heaven, but under the wrath of God rather than under the wonderful resources of God. And again, without choice, love would be rendered meaningless. God is neither a cosmic rapist who forces his love on people, nor is he a cosmic puppeteer who forces people to love him. God, the personification of love, grants us freedom of choice. And that freedom alone provides in my perspective, a persuasive polemic for the existence of hell. But look, common sense, like choice, dictates that there has to be a hell. Without hell, uh, the wrongs of Hitler's Holocaust are never going to be righted. Justice would be impugned if after slaughtering six million Jews, Hitler merely dies in the arms of his mistress with no eternal consequences. You can look at this slaughter in Orlando. If there are no consequences... You have a shooter who is an Islamic jihadist murdering people with no consequence. Of course there are consequences. The ancients knew better 
to think otherwise. Common sense told Abram that the judge of the earth would do right. In the same sense, David knew that for a time it might seem as though the wicked prosper in spite of their deeds, but in the end, justice will be served. Certainly, there would be no real justice were there no place of punishment for the demented souls of those who are initiating atrocities in the past or in the modern epic. I've written about this in my book, Resurrection, by the way. Uh, I I don't forget, I can't remember what section it was under, but you can find it in my book, Resurrection. Uh, I want to go back to the phone lines now. Amelia in New York. Hi. How you doing, Hank? Thanks for taking my call. My question was, I fear for my family and friends, people who say they believe in Christ and they believe He's our Lord and Savior and He died for our sins, but yet... They do things that is not not of Christ, and then when I want to speak about Jesus Christ to them, they kind of like shut me down, or they think, oh, I'm a little bit over my head, and so that concerns me because it brings me to another question about the left hand and the right hand of Christ, and then the coming of the Lord. You know, I hear things, you know, I know it says it in the Bible somewhere, that, you know, there's, we're going to be accountable when Jesus Christ returns, we're going to be held accountable for what, you know, we've done on this earth, and that there's going to be the left side and the right side. So how do I, I, underst- I don't understand that, and how can I understand it to be able to explain it to those sure. who say they believe in Christ, but yet they do things that, I mean, I want, I want to see these people be in heaven with me, you know, and I don't know if that's, you know, how do I know they will be in heaven because they say they believe in Jesus and they know he died for our sins, but yet they don't go to church, some of them. And then there are ones in church who don't do the things of Christ, and I've seen it. I mean, I'm, I'm confused. Well, I think you're raising a very important question. And again, the book that I just referenced, my book, Resurrection, deals with this question. And one of the passages I point to is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says that no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If someone builds on that foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, they can also build on the foundation using wood, hay, or straw. But the work is going to be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light, says Paul. It's going to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And what all of this does is point to a reality, and that is Jesus is the only one who can save us. The foundation, therefore, is Jesus Christ, but on that foundation we can build. So there are degrees of reward in heaven and degrees of punishment in hell. This is aptly pointed out throughout the scriptures. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me, and I'll give to everyone according to what he has done, or I think of the words of Jesus Christ who says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There are degrees of reward in heaven, degrees of punishment in hell. Many passages 
that confirm the judgment of our works reveal both our redemption and our reward. The judgment reveals our redemption in that the deeds demonstrate the reality of our faith. It reveals our rewards in that our deeds also demonstrate the vitality of our faith. So uh, labor not for that which perishes, but for that which is eternal, as Jesus put it. Again, you're saved by God's grace on account of Jesus Christ alone. You put your faith in him. But we are then spurred on to good works. It's not just starting the race, but finishing the race and keeping the faith. Let's go back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to John listening in Garden City, Kansas. Hi, John. Hey, Hank. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. My question is about God answering prayers. And I bring the question because... I've been, um, I guess, open or subject to a lot of different denominations, if you will. I suppose everything from charismatic to uh, um, having some experience with uh, Torah observant people, um, you know, Calvinism, four and five level, and all that and whatnot. And uh, running into some situations in life where I'm really wanting to know how can I know for sure that God's the one answering prayers that I pray, and does he speak to us immediately? Can we get a yes-no answer directly from him immediately with our prayer, or is there, you know, does the question make sense, or do I need to go on? No, no, it makes a lot of sense, and we trust God in the midst of our praying. God does not always give us a direct answer. I can tell you I'm praying for one thing I've been praying for the last six months, and sometimes I feel almost as though I shouldn't reiterate the prayer. But really in praying to God, what I always am doing is saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And the reason is, is I see a snapshot in time. He sees the panoply of my life. He knows what's best for me. If we got everything we prayed for, we'd be in deep trouble. So we have to recognize what prayer is. Prayer is not just a way of getting things from God, as in supplication. Prayer is a way of building intimacy with the lover of your soul. And, and I think that's the epicenter of it. You think about Jesus who often withdrew to lonely prices and he prayed. Why did he do that? Because he treasured fellowship with his Father in heaven. So prayer, again, is not just trying to get things from God. It is a way by which we build a relationship with God. It is a way in which we show our adoration for Him, a way in which we express our faith in Him, a way in which we worship Him, a way in which we can confess our sins. It's a way in which we can express our thanksgiving to Him. So supplication is only part of it. And again, we don't always perceive the answer until a long ways afterward, and in some cases perhaps not until we are in his eternal presence. Then the tapestry that he is weaving in our lives is unfurled as a canvas plain to see what his purpose and pattern were. I'm going to have to leave it at that. I'll be right back here tomorrow with more of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. In the meantime, thanks for standing with us. You've been listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. 
To listen to the broadcast on the internet, visit equip.org, where you'll also find a wealth of information and resources to equip you. To talk to a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. Truth Matters, Life Matters More by Hank Hanegraaff is essentially two books in one. Because Truth Matters, Part 1 equips Christians to defend the essential truths of the historic Christian faith. In Part 2, Hank explains why life matters more and how we can experience the height of human existence, union with God in Christ. Simply put, the map is not the territory, the menu is not the meal. We cheat ourselves of authentic union with Christ when we elevate the message above the Messiah. Truth Matters, Life Matters More is a modern classic and the magnum opus of one of the great theological minds of our time. To receive Truth Matters, Life Matters More, simply call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift in support of the life-changing work of the Christian Research Institute. That's 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org.